All right, we're back in the break room for episode 13. I'm Will Doctor. I got Charles Carter sitting across from me. Uh, we have a vast discussion today. Um, some new news on the Deshaun Watson situation. Cal McNair addressed uh, the situation, and um, we finally had two women come forward, give us their real names, and, and give us some real stories. About the horrible, the horrible uh, allegations and uh, seemingly becoming more true by the day, uh, and, and the allegations against Deshaun Watson. Sam Donald gets traded. Uh, he's going to Carolina. We have some NBA news, but we're mostly going to break down a uh, you know a trending NBA topic of stars not playing. Um, you know, Harden, Kyrie, and Durant have only played seven. Uh, games together, and tonight will be the first game that Patrick Beverly, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, and Zubak play together, uh, and it's game 52 of the season. Hmm. Um, I'm going to be giving you all some Astros, um, a little Astros recap of the Oakland series um, and, and the first game of the Angels uh, series, and then we've got who's hot and who's not, but... Uh, Let's get it started with the Cal McNair uh, a statement. It was it was classic Cal fashion. Yeah, uh, he said we want to take this opportunity to address the complaint filed with the Houston Police Department and the allegations made in the civil lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson. We want to assure you that we take these allegations very seriously. Uh, as reported, HPD and the National Football, Football League are conducting investigations and we will fully cooperate. We respect the legal process and we will continue to monitor the situation closely. Of course you will, Cal. Uh, thoughts? Um, classic Cal. I mean, the, the letter isn't uh, super inspiring. It's kind of like, well, we've talked about this before. We always get the feeling that Cal could care less about football, anything dealing with football. As long as it's making him money, Cal could really care less about whatever the team is doing. Um, this is kind of so just a real, you know, just politicking, you know, just. Yeah, he, add, he added that he he. He wanted to express his strong st- stance against any form of sexual assault, uh, much like Deshaun did before this, uh, before all this came out. Yeah, and um, and I guess it's crazy that I think the point that we should, people should kind of recognize and bring up. It's about time. This is the first thing we're hearing from the Texas organization, and it's not really anything in. I guess they can't take a size given the given the atmosphere in which is what it is, right? But it's so. Not too long ago, when Deshaun was talking about leaving, the Texans were extremely adamant about that he is our quarterback. And from what what we know, Deshaun Watson is the quarterback of the Houston Texans, and we stand by him. Now that this is going on, it's very – it seems so laissez-faire. You know, just kind of just – Will, I get the feeling that they know a little bit more than what they're letting on. 
I really get that. I get that feeling, and I hate to say it. I really don't want it to be true that Deshaun was capable of anything like was being accused. But the evidence is piled up. I said last episode that there's so much power in numbers, and it's just it. It's it's hard to fight against. It really is. It seems to me like they're trying to stay out of it a little bit, right? And uh, I, I, it doesn't, you know, court, you know, this statement, it, you know, what I make of it is, it means nothing. Uh, you know, they they went on, you know, Cal went on to say we will co- continue to commit resources to help prevent abusive behaviors uh, from occurring in our community and serve respect for all, which which is great. I mean, which is great, but that I mean, that's just, that that's the narrative. Uh, you know, obviously. Owners love to get off, uh, you know, but, you know, we're, we're in day 20 of this thing and it took him that long to make a statement. Uh, to say nothing. Yeah, to say nothing. I think he wants to stay out of it. I think this could be a, a, a sticky situation. It, it already is becoming a situation, a sticky situation because of the Texans involvement in this. You know, this young woman, Ashley Solis, that came out was recommended. Deshaun... Uh, was recommended uh, her by the Houston Texans, uh, and, and I know that's been the ca- the the case for a few of the other um, women in the in the sexual assault allegations. Yeah, we had the audio for you because she uh, she says what she also she uh, they had a yeah no her. no yeah she um, she took the stand today and or or she she talked to lawyers today and said. Uh, you know, she gave her story. She said, I got into m- massage therapy to heal people, uh, to heal their minds and bodies, to bring peace in their souls. And, and Deshaun Watson uh, robbed me of that. He took that away from me. He tainted a profession, uh, which I take enormous pride. I suffer from panic, panic attacks, anxiety, and depression. I'm in counseling as a result of Deshaun Watson's actions. I hope he knows the much pain he's inflicted on me emotionally and physically. And I hope he knows how much pain he's inflicted on these other survivors. Hey. Yeah, no, and, 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 and we'll, 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 all, we'll add the audio to it. Uh, you know, yeah, she, she, she had broke down in tears. Uh, you know, I, it was nothing short of real emotions. Um, and yeah, Deshaun's just getting dug deeper and deeper in that hole, man. I replay the incident over and over in my head as if I'm trying to wake up from some horrible nightmare. Only that nightmare is real. I blame myself at times, which is insane. Society has groomed women to believe that it's their fault when they're harassed or assaulted. As if somehow we asked for it. Or is it somehow we could have prevented it? I can no longer practice the profession that I love the most without shaking during session. My hands shake whenever I place them on a coin and I've had to cut the session short. If you only knew how heartbreaking that is to me. I got into massage therapy to heal people. minds and bodies to bring peace to their souls Deshaun Watson has robbed me of that he took that away from me he tainted a profession in which I take enormous pride flashes of Watson's face rush to me in the moment 
I think of his penis touching me, which sends me into a tailspin. I suffer from panic attacks, anxiety, and depression. I'm in counseling as a result of Sean Watson's actions. I hope he knows how much pain he's inflicted on me emotionally and physically. And I hope he knows how much pain he's inflicted on these other survivors. My father, who was once a diehard Texans fan, can no longer mention his name without turning red, seeming with disappointment. I think that that's the most heartbreaking aspect of it all. We were all deceived into thinking Deshaun Watson was a good guy. And unfortunately, we know that good guys can do terrible things. He's fried, man. He's just fried. Like, it's... I don't see... I don't see no way out of this. There's no... Like you said, um, we talked about the other 18 women that... um, uh, Rusty, Rusty Hardy... I'm, Rusty, Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden. Rusty Harden came forth with and said that he was, um, you know, there was no, um, well, what's misconduct during the whole entire massage, and he respected them and even took pictures with kids and all that, et cetera, et cetera. But you pointed out that that's over 40, 40 masseuses. Like, that yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. almost around forty masseuses, like separate women, and that's that didn't that didn't help at all. Like even if you were well behaved in those in those meetings encounters, like that doesn't help at all. Like so, because the Texans have their own masseuses, four of them, four of them, and those eighteen worked with Deshaun over one hundred and thirty times uh, over a period of five years. So I mean, I guess you need four or five massages a day. That's that's how that math ticks up. You smoke crack, don't you? You smoke crack, don't you? Look at me, boy. Don't you smoke crack? Yeah, it was even another one. Um, when she came, I can't remember her name. Um, let me see if I can find it for a second. It doesn't say her name, but it says one victim. She said, "No, there, there, there's only one. There's, or, o- there's only one name right now." Oh, this is her. This is uh, I think was this her lawyer? Her lawyer? Or um, no, 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 no. Ashley Solis was the is, is the victim, and, and there's a woman right next to her in the in the video. Yeah, the lawyer, uh, Cornelia Branfield Harvey, that works for, for Busby Law Firm. Okay. Yeah, and she went into, and she read, I guess, uh, her breakdown of um, the entire description. I guess she wanted to finish what she was saying because she had, like the Will just said, she broke down in tears. And she went into, we'll play the audio, but she went into a whole massage therapy that she has been trying to do instead of like doing normal massages with her elbow and her knuckles he told her to use her fingers and around yeah her anus, yeah around so anus. so cornelia Brent, cornelia Brentfield harvey the lawyer that works for for busby's law firm mm. uh read lauren baxley's letter uh so baxley wasn't present at, okay yeah yeah okay that's there we go thanks for the clarity so uh lauren baxley was another um Another survivor, right? Yeah, another victim. Okay. And, yeah, that was the uh, what she was reading. We'll play the audio. Like I said, we played the audio. When you confirmed that you were ready for your massage, I entered the room and was both shocked and sickened to find you completely nude, face down. Your full rear was exposed, as well as your scrotum. I quickly covered you with a hand towel as you tried to insist that you were both uncomfortable by the towel and you didn't mind being exposed. I said that I minded, and as I attempted to start the session, you clearly directed me away from a therapeutic glute massage toward your anus. Every boundary from professional and therapeutic to sexual and degrading, you crossed or attempted to cross. 
You insisted that I not use my knuckles or forearms, but that I use my fingers for digital stimulation, which is an ethical violation of massage practice when working in the gluteal area. I compromised by attempting to use the lateral border of my hand. I did not want to touch you, but my terror kept me in autopilot, and I continued to the best of my ability to give you therapeutic treatment. But at this point, it was clear that's not what you were seeking. When you turned over, you again exposed yourself, this time your penis. When I covered your groin area, you complained again that the very soft towel I had provided was itchy and rough. At that point, I carefully covered your groin with a softer headrest cover, pulling the towel out from under that so as not to expose you. You were aroused and removed the cover when I was working on your upper quad area, at which time you moved in such a way that your penis touched my hand. You then told me to just grab it, if it was in my way. This happened multiple times, and I felt as if the session time was spent trying not to be sick, not have an outburst, and keep you covered. In those minutes, I considered my past, present, and potential clients who were connected to you through the Texans franchise in your social life. With your millions of fans and followers, with your resources and income, I felt both powerless and trapped. My work contract with my building was tied to my lease, and at the snap of your fingers, I knew my good reputation, my home, and my career might be lost. Yeah, no, but she, uh, that, her letter actually, I felt cut a little deeper, uh, you know, than, than Solis. Both were traumatizing, but, uh, yeah, anytime you get you know, more details, yeah, Baxley wrote way. that every boundary from professional and therapeutic to sexual, uh, and degrading you crossed or attempted to cross. Um, I thought this was strange. Baxley says she wrote a letter to Watson at the recommendation of her trauma therapist to uh, forgive herself for not speaking up sooner and also that he can know that without excuse or justification that he has deeply, irreversibly brought terror to her and others. Um, you know, and initially, Baxley had come forward uh, and offered celerity to other women, but then, you know, I guess after a while, she 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 uh, she felt like she deserved justice. But uh, but that's uh, you know we have so we have two that came out, uh, and you know hopefully it's it's more by the day and we hear more of these stories. But uh, yeah, as of right now, it definitely doesn't look like Deshaun's going to be picking up a football in uh, uh, next season. Do you okay? Do you think this is grounds for the Texans to try harder to move him? Or do you think he's this more like well, I think that, more ammo for them to keep him? Yeah, I think it goes back to them like you know, like hearing Cal and his statements and you know, we haven't heard from the GM yet. We've heard a little bit from the NFL. They've started their investigation. Uh, but I think the Texans are really trying to stay out of this, and I'm not sure what they have planned. Uh, obviously, they brought in Tyrod Taylor. Uh, we've heard the chatter about uh, Alex Smith. But I think they're trying to stay out of this and see if, I mean, somehow, I mean, it's tough to, with everything that we've talked about so far, it's tough to see how Deshaun comes out on the other side of this innocent. So you think the Texans is more like a let the chips fall where they may? I think so. I think they're waiting because obviously his his stock has dropped. Definitely. Teams are still calling, but... Uh, they're offering a lot less. But obviously we know... 
we know one of his preferred spots. His preferred spots were in New York and San Francisco. Those two aren't looking too good. You know, I, I think Denver's the other one that, you know, I guess, okay, they still have Drew Locke, uh, not a not a, uh, a an extremely trustworthy quarterback. But, you know, th- this brings us into, into our next discussion with uh, Donald going to the Panthers. But really, this Donald going to the Panthers thing and, and the, the San Francisco 49ers moving up to number three in the draft, it's really kicked... It's kicked four of five of Deshaun's preferred locations out. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, to, to, to go back over the Donald trade, Donald um, was traded yesterday from the Jets to the Panthers in exchange for a 2021 NFL six-round draft pick, uh, plus a second and fourth round selections in the 2022 uh, NFL draft. So... Donald's going to be a Panther, but to, to, to finish up on the Deshaun situation, I think that, yeah, the, the Texans are, are, are just, are just waiting for the chips to fly. I don't think you could have said it better, uh, because his stock is lower right now. And like I said, Panthers have a quarterback. Jets are going to draft a quarterback, probably Zach Wilson and the 49ers hopefully will, will draft Mac Jones, but our, I mean, with the number three draft pick, they're you know they're set on someone else is what I'm yeah. saying. So everyone else in in the league is getting their way except Deshaun Watson. So, but moving on, what do you what do you think about the uh, the Donald acquisition in Carolina? I think it was a great pickup for uh, Carolina. Even though I feel like the Jets should have maybe stuck around with uh, with Donald just a little bit longer um, because. Like I say, bad organization. Coaching wasn't all that great with guys. And so... Yeah, I think that this will be his... Uh, he's 23, and this will be his third coach, Matt Rule, in, in, uh, in Carolina. Yeah, so... Um, he hasn't had a great stretch as far as the past three years. Donald hasn't. It's as far as his numbers go. But anybody who's watched football knows that he does have talent. He is a talented guy. He can run. He can throw. He can do everything you need him to do. But he just ha- has to have just the the intangible things as far as like a uh, coaching a organization, a stable organization. Those things can play as far as they can they can factor into your gameplay when you're an athlete. And so, I think this is a great this is a great opportunity not only for Sam Donald but for the Panthers. Um, he has more weapons in Carolina than he did in New York. Uh, you go into Christian McCaffrey, one, arguably one of the best running backs in the league. You don't have, uh, in my opinion, you don't have really much of a receiving core. But I think Sam Darnold and who he is is a better quarterback than what uh, what Teddy Bridgewater was uh, was for them this past season. And um, well, really any other quarterback option they really had. So I think this is the best thing that could have happened for both parties. I agree that. I think this was the right move for the Jets. Uh, you know, I, I do believe in Sam Darnold, and I do believe he will find success, although I'm skeptical about whether it's going to be with the Panthers. But, uh, you know, the Jets are going to have a good look at Zach Wilson, um, you know, someone with just as good as, if not better, arm than Darnold and, and obviously has a, uh, you know, obviously has the, the ability to take off a little bit more. Um, you know, as far as Nets or uh, as far as Panthers ownership, um, I'm 
we've talked about this before. I'm not crazy about the second uh, second time around paying uh, running backs. Uh, you know, I, I've talked about this with a couple people, but uh, you know, I think the <clears throat> and my buddy Sam brought this up, but I think the Panther Scott Fitter, the new the new uh, uh, well. The Panthers GM and obviously their new owner. Yeah. Uh, when they came into the to the when they came into Carolina, I think in order for the city not to erupt, like what are you doing? Um, you know, they had to sign back Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, I, it's not a, it's not. He's he's one. He, you know, he is. You know, the one of the best of the best. But uh, you know, history would say that signing. Uh, you know, running back to that big of a contract over that period of time is typically, you know, it's it's not going to pan out. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the owner can build, you know, obviously a good line for Donald and uh, and, and Rule can. I, I think I think Matt Rule is a good coach. I think no, definitely. I think this definitely. is going to be Sam Donald's best coach. Um, and I think there is a chance for success. Would have much rather seen him go to to, to San Francisco, but uh, they got the deal done, and and the Jets have their future ahead of them. Yeah, and we uh, we just differ on. You said that you think that uh, Sam Darnold, it was great for him to leave the Jets. Well, it was just good for the Jets to get rid yeah, of. Yeah, it, it was good for both of them. I just I don't. Because of the running back factor, I don't love like the situation that he's falling. No, I get that, and like it's like what you say, it's hard to argue with the numbers as well. Like yeah. we've seen it pan out with so many backs, and so um, uh, great example Zeke. You got uh, Todd Gurley, and um, what's another one? Um, even it's, it's amazing how Zeke got a contract before Dak did. Crazy, yeah, crazy. Anyway, so what you say with the backs is hard to argue against that. But even thinking about what all he has in. In Carolina, he has one thousand yard receiver, and uh, I think Robbie Anderson, and then you have Christian McCaffrey. Those are your only two real prolific offensive weapons. Your offense line isn't that great. It's better than what it was in New York, which is good. And we saw flashes of what Sam Darnold could be given some time, you know, in the backfield. And so it can be, it can amount to something. You know, I mean? we don't expect them to go deep into the playoffs or anything like that. Not right now, of course, but we can definitely see kind of like what you saw with Ryan Tannehill when he got to the, um, with the Titans. I think a different coaching situation, a stable ownership, and give it some time because not only do you have to draft a good player, you have to develop them too. Development is a big part of the game. And so I think you'll see some real development from Sam Darnold here with the Panthers than what you saw with the Jets. Yeah, and they had the eighth pick in the draft this year, so you, you could see them go get some 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 more offensive talent. I mean, Kyle Pitts pro day looked extremely good. Um, adding a adding a good tight end for Donald yeah. uh, would 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 really move the needle. Uh, I know they have defensive needs, but uh, that will wrap up the uh, the football segment here on the break room. Uh, we will be back uh, for basketball here in the next segment. Stay right with us. And you are back with the Break Room Podcast. Me, Charles Carter, right in front of me, Will Doctor. And... 
follow us on Twitter, The Break Room H O U, and follow us on Instagram at the.breakroom.podcast. Uh, wherever you get your podcast from, subscribe, man. Interact with us. We'll probably bring up some of your comments too, man. So, um, yeah, just interact and follow us. But we're going to get right into it. So, with the NBA, the ESPN, and I'm ashamed to say we're affiliates of them. But anyway, so the ESPN released a top 25, under 25 list of NBA players. And to get right into it, now I'm going to read you the list. Number one, Luka Doncic. Doncic. Number two, Zion Williamson. Three, LaMelo Ball. Four, Donovan Mitchell. Five, Jason Tatum. Six, De'Aaron Fox. Ben Simmons. Devin Booker. Bam Adebayo. Uh, Shai Gilgeson. Alexander, I can never pronounce his name. Shay Gildress, bro. <laughs> uh, Brandon Ingram. Jalen Brown. Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr. John Morant. Trey Young. Michael Bridges. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis. Anthony Edwards, DeAndre Ayton, Tyrese uh, Hilberton, John Collins, Jared Allen, Lonzo Ball, Colin Sexton. What is okay? Well, for me, the first thing that glares out to me is Lamelo Ball is at number three, and he hasn't even finished his first season. Why is he above a walking bucket like Devin Booker, self-proclaimed best defender in the league, Ben Simmons? Nah. Uh, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. There's a good reason that he's ever been Simmons. And um, okay, and Jalen Brown. But go, Jalen Brown hasn't been balling this year. He said Jalen Brown hasn't been balling. No. In the very beginning of the se- in the very beginning of the season, he kind of bursted on scene until like he bursted on the scene in the bubble. That was his big thing. And then the beginning of the season, because uh, his first 15 to 20 games, he averaged around 22 points. He was out, and that's almost – uh, Yeah, they're losing. I mean, he, he's not moving the needle for them. And him and him and Tatum really aren't playing together, or play, are, are not playing well together. Celtics are struggling. I mean, that's it, it, well, it, if you'd rather who, – who would you rather have, LaMelo or Tatum, over the next 10 years? Next 10 years? Yeah. Think of it this way: Who do you put on the Lakers and makes that and 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 and, and moves the needle? It moves it. I still might go Tatum. Who does LeBron want, Lamelo or Tatum? Or no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Lamelo or, or we're talking about Jalen Brown. We're, okay, we're I'll, about, I mean, I'll, I'll say that about Tatum too. Well, I, I, I don't, my, me, I don't, I don't mess with long twos, so I'm taking Lamelo over Jason Tatum. My problem with the Celtics was always that they made Kimball Walker and Jason Tatum their two front running guys when it should have been Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. That was always my critique of them. Even though Kimball Walker's a great player, but he can't be your he can't be your guy. He's just not. He, sometimes he's, he's injured, injuries and stuff, things like that. But you think he deserves to be at the number three spot? At uh, Lamelo, yeah, top twenty-five under twenty-five. Yeah, I do. Over Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, I'm taking him over Donovan what? Mitchell. Yeah, yeah, I am. Fifteen points, six rebounds, six assists a game. Thirty-seven percent th- from three rookie year. I, I'm I'm taking my chances on, on so, the on the on the Charlotte Bobcats too. I I don't even give them enough respect to call them the Hornets yet. I call them the Bobcats. Okay, so. With what we witnessed from Donovan Mitchell last year in the playoffs, you st- you still what do you do? What, what, well, you, okay. did they get past the first round? The showdown they had, with, the showdown he had with Murray. Did they get past the first round? 
Okay. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I am okay. not. I'm not in on the jazz at all. No. Hey, yo, what the fuck? But I mean, look, Donovan. Don. I mean, that's not to say either one of them. You know, I'm, but if we're really gonna get down to it over the next ten years, who would I take? I'm taking Lamelo. Uh, but I mean, just, but it, well, it's 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 just why. Because he's younger. Okay, you can almost say that by any good player then. Not really though. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, Lamelo's burst on a, in a burst on the scene the way in the way that Donovan didn't. Donovan's first year, first year they went to the playoffs, and I think he averaged about twenty six in the playoffs. Well, I mean, we'll never we'll never find that out about. It. Did, did Donovan win Rookie of the Year? He did not. Yeah, well, I mean, Lamelo was a Sherlock. Lamelo didn't even finish his didn't even finish his first season. He's already top three. Yeah, I mean, look, you got a point. I don't buy into those ESPN lists. Okay, so even with De'Aaron Fox, Lamelo over De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let me. Okay, let's go top ten. Let's just go top ten. Does he, right. he makes your top ten list, right? Lamelo. Yeah, he's my number three. He's your number three. Okay, so listen, read this again. Luka Doncic is the runaway one. First pick, right? There's no problem with him being the number one. No, I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Okay, okay. Zion. And number two. Yeah, absolutely. You have a problem with that? No, I don't. Okay. Then you said LaMelo at number three. You don't have a problem with that. Donovan Mitchell at number four. You don't have a problem with that. Jason Tatum at five. I mean, the thing, like, what's the difference between three and four? Like, you can't really go wrong with either one of those players. But, I mean, yeah, when we get down to it, it's LaMelo. All right, let's keep going. Okay. At number seven, Ben Simmons. At, uh, he shouldn't be number seven to me. But uh, Devin Booker at eight. Bam Adebayo at, at nine. And Shea uh, Gileunas. Shea Gilders Alexander. Shea Alexander at 10. If, nah. you could, if you could rearrange any of that. Um, I'd probably put, I could switch Zion and Luca, and then put uh, Ray's Bam up the list to top five. You would switch Zion and Luca. I mean, if we're getting picky, you know, the, when, when when these lists are this close, it, it, it then becomes like my bias. Like, I, I just, like, I haven't, I haven't seen Donovan like shut it down in the playoffs or make any kind of deep run with a stacked Jazz team too. Jazz teams that have been extremely promising during the regular season. Lamelo Ball are, had a a shitty Charlotte Hornet team that was, I mean, likely going to be a seven or eight seed if he stays in. Michael Jordan's been struggling for what twelve, what ten years now with that organization, um, and they were going to go to the playoffs, and he was going to get Rookie of the Year. Donovan, Donovan, Donovan's been on a stacked Utah team, and and it has failed to get out of the first round. Now, look, not to say that there hasn't been other point guards that have that have had a similar track record, um, and, and have had, I guess, more success. I'm thinking of Damian Lillard, but um, even even he's been rocking the playoffs. I got to see what uh, what Lamelo is like in the playoffs, but all, I mean, he's got he's got an excellent three ball and can play lockdown defense. So for me, my top my top guy. Have to be guys who can carry their team. Right? Yeah, Donovan can carry it. I mean, can, can Donovan carry his yes, team? Yes, yes. Okay, so uh, before uh, what do you, they hey, had, you can't tell me Donovan's played on played on a, a shittier team than no Lamelo's. No, I on. can't say that. That's true. So, I, mean, I can't say. Well, that. I don't know if we can say. I mean, carry a team to what? Carry a team through a tough. Like they took. Uh, okay, they took. I'm talking about I, to, when we're talking about carry. We're talking like LeBron can carry a team to a finals. 
there's not too many people who can do that. That's an entirely different kind of care. There's no carrying through a season and then losing the first round. Like, I mean, what? That's James like, Harden. Well, yeah, I mean, he's well, he's top three scorer of all time. Oh. But, I mean, that, okay, well, we, were talking, we were talking about carry. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I mean, carry through the play. Like, can you carry versus the best? Like, can you be a one man show out there? There's only one one man show, and that's LeBron. Uh, and Ka- Kawhi, Kawhi did it a couple years ago. If Kawhi, if, if Kawhi played a whole season, then he could. You think so? Or do you think this is He limit? did it in Toronto. The whole season that he had, uh, was that before the low, the low management? I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure he load managed that year too. He's been load managing since San Antonio. Okay, so were you talking about in the playoffs? Yeah, there, I mean, who else did the Raptors have? All right, come on, they would have lost that uh, that series if Golden State was healthy. I mean, the Rock, the Rockets would have won a championship uh, had they been healthy against, against Golden State. This stuff yeah. happens. Injuries are part of the game. Okay. Well, anyway, so let it be known. Will Doctor believes LaMelo Ball should be number three. I believe he – I feel like he could be eight. I would definitely probably switch him. I could switch him with Booker. Yeah. If, yeah, no, no. I, I see where you're coming from with that. Devin Booker definitely dropped 70 in the game. Can he carry a team? He's a scorer who can't win. Yeah. He's a scorer who can't win. <laughs> yeah, no. He, he needed Chris Paul. Chris Paul brings brung a different element to the team, and now they're sitting at the number two seed. Carrying is an interesting term. We'll, we'll have to go back over that because there is there is a list of, of, of guys who can carry teams. I'm talking uh, carry, carry, carry like LeBron carry, like LeBron carry, like so, like, like KD can, like I mean, obviously Harden can too. KD, KD's a special case to me. Like I feel like KD has the talent to carry, but I guess there's more than just scoring and defense. There's off court stuff. I think there's a whole leadership thing that you need to carry. Yeah, and there's a there's a like he's not on the court enough right now to that too. Know, but KD's or Kawhi's proved that too. Otherwise, that that you don't have to be you know on the court the whole season to to carry through the playoffs. But uh, that guy. yeah. So, turning away from basketball, uh, I'm going to take you through some 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 Astros recap here, um, and what a kickoff to the season for the Astros, starting five and one, and and this is a team that has started relatively slow uh, the past few years in comparison to where uh, they finished last year, uh, or from where they started last year. Uh, last year, Bregman and Altuve were two key two key players that started off extremely slow uh, and obviously we knew Altuve's struggles were a factor through the entire 2020 season um, those two players are really you know the difference makers uh, Altuve started 8 for 20 with a 414 uh, on base percentage and Bregman is 9 for 21 uh, with a 478 on base percentage um, and, and those are two players that pitchers love to see perform when they're on the mound uh, Yuli, Yuli Gurriel is is uh, is another uh, player who underperformed last year, hitting 230, and and he's come out firing. Um, his on base percentage is 536 through six games this season, and as we know, you have to get on base to drive in runs. Uh, you know, Kyle Tucker, who replaced Josh Reddick. Uh, 
who Dusty Baker has been hovering around the center of the lineup, uh, has been driving in those runs just as they want him to, uh, and he's leading the team with nine RBIs. Um, as you can tell, there's very few things that this lineup is doing that can be critiqued. Um, you know, I guess the only one at the beginning of the season was the questions about Jordan's knees. He's coming back from a couple of knee surgeries. Um, and whether he could bring back that rookie of the year spark. Um, and the answer is yes. He drove him seven runs and his exceeding expectations, um, you know, obviously with his extremely hot, hot start. Uh, the pitching staff overall has been very solid, had a very, uh, was, was solid against the A's. Um, and Grinky and Luis Garcia were the only two pitchers who fell victim to Mike Trout, um, who, who who took them both deep. Uh, but Luis Garcia, the Astros' tentative fifth man in the rotation, um, I was really impressed with him yesterday. Uh, he only played about he only played uh, about four to six games last year, none of which I believe were starts. Um, and, and prior to that, uh, he had never pitched above Double A. Uh, he did give up two runs in three and a half innings, but he utilizes stuff well. Um, he has a great repertoire of pitches, and I think Dusty Baker should throw him out there um, again for a next fifth day. Um, or, you know, I guess you could bring him out of the bullpen depending on when uh, Framer Valdez gets back. Uh, but, but it'd be easier for me to say that Luis Garcia might be someone who comes out of the pen um, and, and can only face a lineup one time around. Um, we really only have one game to base off that. Um, he's got five pitches he can throw, um, you know, a changeup that I wouldn't mind seeing more and a funky delivery that, that I feel like really adds some swagger to it. I like Luis Garcia for the time being, uh, you know, at least until Framber Valdez gets healthy. Uh, but I think baseball writers after this week will critique the Astros pitching staff by judging their ability to throw strikes and stay in the game uh, to save the bullpen. And there's a case to be made. Grinke and McCullers um, are the only two pitchers that that have had a start that were more, that were that lasted for more than five innings. Um, and Luis, Gar- Luis Garcia only pitched three and a half innings, or Keedy four. But let's not dig too much into that. Yes, it is taking a toll on our bullpen where we saw the wheels come off, come off late Monday night. Um, you know, as Joe Smith was the first bullpen, the first of the bullpen bunch to get knocked around. Um, the Astros pitching staff does know what they're doing. Brett Strom knows when enough is enough and when the time is to get the starter out. Um, I ran into the host of the press box, Joel Blank, today in the hallway, and we were actually talking about the pitching staff. Mostly good things, but I said, Joel, can the Astros make it through the regular season with some of these starters only going three to four innings on a regular basis? And he said these organizations know better than to let start starting pitchers go the distance this early in the season, um, especially with some of ours coming off injuries. Uh, he brought up an example, and it was Johan Santana during his me- his tenure with the Mets. And it was a game in 2020 when Mets manager Terry Collins let Santana throw um, 134 pitches in route to a no-hitter. Uh, Santana did end up getting the job done, but Joel said that after the game he was exhausted. By the middle of the season, he was burnt out, and by the end, there was permanent damage to his arm. I did some research when I got home, and if you ask Terry Collins about it to this day, he feels horribly about it uh, because it practically did end Santana's career. 
<clears throat> I know the jocks at home are probably thinking, oh, the great Nolan Ryan, he you know, threw 120 pitches every game. But there really is only one trend. Uh, they just don't make them like Nolan anymore. And the science points to quality over quantity. Uh, less equals more. Uh, so the Astros will let this bullpen uh, work as they reserve to go, uh, as they reserve the arms to go deep into the season. Uh, but that about wraps up um, kind of our Astros report, and we're going to move on to who's hot and who's not. Uh, Charles, who do you got? Okay, man. Since we're getting into who's hot, who's not, my who's not is Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is on the who's not list is because he has strippers on his Instagram live and then expected to have a job the next day. Well, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, now. it's not fun anymore. No. Not even. He was released immediately, and uh, we'll see if I can get some audio of, of that. Of that, and uh, what was what was funny? Well, I don't know if you saw the video. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, somebody said, "Where's Rachel Nichols?" And uh, that was that was hilarious. So that's who I got for my who's not. Paul Pierce thinks he's above the law. Thinks he's better than Dwayne Wade. Uh, the truth, the truth is, turned out he's not employed with ESPN anymore. So. There we go. That's what we got from my who's not. Yeah, no, I I I, I saw that and uh, you know I guess you do you, but if you're gonna work for a corporate company like ESPN, um, that kind of can't be coming out. So uh, yeah, I saw Paul Pierce had <clears throat> a couple other job offers. He had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar offer from uh, a a, stri- um, a female dancer stripping page uh, that that wanted to pay him to commentate for him. Uh, so, uh, on my who's hot, Scott Drew, 18 years later, uh, after he became the head coach at Baylor, they finally won a championship, taking on the undefeated Gonzaga. Really impressive run. Baylor, unbelievable team. Um, you know, I, I, I think he, you know, he's up there with the greats of Jay Wright, um, and, and Coach Nate Oates as some of the best college basketball coaches in, in NCAA. Uh, so it was good to see him get it done. Um, another one on my who's not is Fernando Tatis Jr., who recently signed a mega contract with the Padres. Uh, I'm a huge fan, and, and he partially tore his labrum last night um, off a freak play. Uh, but looking like he's probably going to be out for the next couple of weeks. Not a good start to that contract. Yeah, and I forgot for my who's high. Yeah, we agree. Uh, mine was also Baylor, men's Baylor basketball. Um, them for just them bouncing back and getting the win for their first um, tournament win. And for them bouncing back after like just a few years ago, they had a, a scandal of a player involved in a murder. So for them to bounce back just a few years later, to win it all, you know, that says a lot, man. Like you said with the coach, man, he's up there with the greats uh, for that turnaround he made. So congratulations to uh, Baylor men's basketball. And I'll wrap it up here in episode 13 of the Break Room podcast. Uh, follow us. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at the Break Room H-O-U and on the Instagram at the.breakroom.podcast. All right, we'll be with you next week for episode 14. Uh, we'll catch you later. Take it easy, man. I'm living in
that 21st century. Doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Screams from the haters. Got a nice 